Today on Locked On Canadians, we had the first preseason game. We're going to talk about who stood out, and we have positive things to say about plenty of players, and that's all coming up in just one moment. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 693, I think. (laughs) And thank you for making us your first listen of the day, whether it's on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. We really, really appreciate it. And we're going to talk about the preseason game today. We, too, are in preseason form, so please bear with us. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. And, uh, Scott, you had the task of covering the game tonight for Habs Eyes on the Prize. So the way we're going to structure this episode is I'm going to ask you your impressions of a player, and then I'm going to agree or disagree. Uh, And are you ready for that tonight? Absolutely. Um, It's obviously the first preseason game, so it is what it is. It's not the end of the world that they didn't win or that some people didn't do things. So uh, I'm not going to sweat it too much, I think. I agree. And this is kind of going to be, I think, our coverage for over the course of the season, because what we're looking for is young players to play. What we're looking for is Martin San Louis habits, right? So even if we know that the Canadians aren't destined to have, you know, a playoff spot this year or anything like that, we're going to cover each game with who stood out, what was good, what was bad. And I think in a preseason game, we shouldn't dwell too much on what was bad. So I'm going to throw out players and I'm going to ask your impression of them. And the first one is going to be relatively simple, uh, but also have complicated connotations. And my first player, and I'll say this because I want to know your impressions first, and then I'll tell you why I asked about him. And that is Mike Hoffman. What was your impression of Mike Hoffman in tonight's game? I, like you said, it's complicated is that I noticed Hoffman doing more good things than he did last year uh, in games. There were efforts there. And then there's still some bad habits that he had that carried over. And I look at uh, some of his work on the power play. He's getting good lanes to shoot. And then he's whistling a shot four feet over the net and it's going out of the zone and it's killing the momentum on a power play. Or sometimes he just kind of blindly flicks a back pass to somewhere and there's no one there, and it, it kills the play a little bit. But then I see him making efforts along the boards to keep plays alive. There's some back-checking to help cover for his mistakes. And admittedly, I don't think he was great. I think he was, you know, much closer to as he was advertised when he joined the Canadians last year. There was an effort and a hustle that I think uh, we didn't see a lot of uh, last year. And he has some creativity that I don't think we saw a lot of last year because – the Canadians were not good. And I think it kind of brought out a little bit more in Owen Beck that he might not have been expecting as the center on that line. Uh, Caulfield and Beck played well together and we will get to Owen Beck in a little while, but Hoffman, you know, for was, you know, he was good. I don't think he was great, but I think he was good uh, overall in this game. So the reason that I asked about it is because I was watching the game and then I was noticing that, there weren't very many uh, swear words directed towards Mike Hoffman on this on on my social that I was following the game on, and then you know the the RDS uh, broadcast crew said something like you know he had a not bad game in French like pas mal, uh, so you know 
I thought that it would be worth bringing up because to me, if my coffin plays this way for the first, I don't know how many games of the season, if he continues to do this, like he's not a fit for this team, but he can show what he's got to other teams and he can increase his trade value. And I think, you know, the fact that there weren't people just getting like extremely frustrated with him, I thought was a very positive sign. Uh, I want to also talk this segment about Jake Allen, because on this podcast, we love Jake Allen. Uh, how do you think he did? I was just so relieved that like we, he got through half of the game and there were no injuries. And now I'm knocking on wood because we don't want any j- injuries for Jake Allen this season. He went through a lot last year and we think he's an awesome, you know, he's an awesome goaltender. He's an awesome guy and also trade mate. Let's be honest. I think Jake Allen played fantastic in this game. He made a lot of big saves that were called upon. He drew a goaltender interference penalty. Like I think Jake Allen across the board did everything the Canadians would possibly want from him tonight. And Caden Primo, you know, the goals that he let in, the one was far side, maybe a little out of position. And one got kicked off a skate, like off the toe of a skate in close. And I don't think either of them looked bad. Uh, And I think Jake Allen as a whole looked really strong and he looked exactly like what the Canadians want out of their um, starting goaltender this year. He made the big saves and he made a lot of them. He kept them in the game in the first there. And then he made the simple stuff. He made it look relatively easy. You can tell everyone's a little rusty. Their first actual game in what last game was what March, April, whenever it was. And, and for Jake Allen, I think, And even Jake Allen, he's been out longer because he had that lower body injury that he suffered against Toronto playing in a game that he probably shouldn't have been starting. And you know what? That's that's fine. If Jake Allen looks that good on most nights, even if the Canadians win or lose, I I don't have an issue with that. And like you said, he is trade bait. And if he plays that well, teams are going to be beating down Kent Hughes' door to get Jake Allen's contract on their books because he's a consistent, reliable presence. And... Uh, I know they split the game half and half. We'll likely see uh, Samuel Montembeau and potentially Kevin Poulin, potentially Joe Verbatic uh, at some point here in the near future. But for his first start since he got hurt it back in, God, it might have been February or something, February, March, whenever Jake Allen got hurt, he looked sharp. He wasn't, he didn't have to be more than he was. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, and I think it's reassuring to know that Jake Allen can continue to be that guy uh, for the Montreal Canadiens on the back end right now. So those were some two positives from the game. I'm also very curious. Uh, we're going to talk about this in just one moment. We're going to turn our attention over to large boys skating. <laughs> and that's coming up in just one moment but first remember that betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find and as always betonline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. 
And really quickly, speaking of bet online, uh, we've got a betting guide for the Montreal Canadian season, and that is coming up on tomorrow's episode. We've got a cool guest. We've got a fun conversation coming up. I don't really know anything about betting, so this is going to be really interesting for both of us. <laughs> um, uh, so there we go. In the meantime, let's turn our attention back to today's episode in which we're going to talk about two large boys skating. Because I, I, at first I was like large men skating, and then I realized that Kirby Doc is 21. Yuri Slavkovsky is 18. <laughs> um, they are not very, they're not very old. They're not men, they're boys. But they, like, one of the things, I could not take my eyes off of them on the ice because of the way they look when they're skating. They're just so much bigger than the other people around them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I personally felt that Kirby Doc is still a question mark in my mind. I know one game is not enough. He's still a question mark in my mind. But it definitely looks like this is a person with potential. Uh, Kirby Doc to me tonight was, I, I get why they did it. And I look at him play and he's got the size and he's got the pace. He drew penalties tonight. He, he took some penalties. It's just not all put together. And I think uh, the benefit to having Adam Nicholas and uh, Martin St. Louis in the, in the support staff they have there is that they can unlock that next level to Kirby Doc's game because I watched him make plays that I go, that's what they wanted Jesperi Kotkaniemi to be a couple of years ago, and he just didn't have the size for it. And Kirby Doc brings a little bit of that physicality with the offensive upside, and it's early. I'm not going to say it was a bad trade. I'm not going to say it was a good trade. I, I look at Doc play, and I'm left wanting just a little bit more. He's doing the right things, but then you kind of don't notice him for a little bit. And his line was a little bit different. Like, you have Slavkovsky playing his first um, actual NHL minutes. And you have Rem Pitlick, who isn't exactly known for being a kind of defensive wizard there. There were some very strong moments with that line. I don't know if uh, Pitlick is the one I want to keep there, though. I think they might need someone a little bit more creative or someone who can do a little bit more puck retrieval, like a Brendan Gallagher or even someone like an Evgeny Dodonov on that line. Um just to kind of be the stabilizing presence because on that line, you have three very chaotic individuals. Rem Pitlick is a water bug. Kirby doc is a physical monster down the middle. And Uri Slavkovsky is, as you know, a Slovakian murder toddler who just cannot be stopped by the sheer force of man. Having a little bit of calmness to that line that helps settle everything and gets them because they cycled. Well, there was a point in the second period where the Canadians just did not leave the devil's zone. The issue is they were cycling, but their chances were from low percentage areas. And Doc was part of that. And Slavkovsky was part of that. And that part of it is they need to settle things down and then reassess their lanes a little bit and then get the puck into dangerous scoring areas to create chances because they very likely should have scored on that shift or the next shift or the shift after that. And I think someone like Evgeny Dodonov or a Brendan Gallagher who play a very simplified but smart game, they know where to get the pucks or know where to be. Uh, can help open up some of the space that these guys might need to operate a little bit more efficiently. But overall, I liked what I saw from Doc. I just want to see what that next step is. Yes, this is his first game as a Canadian. What is that next step you're going to take here? And I do think that there is another step to take. Is it going to be once that first goal goes in that he kind of, you know, it, it, it gets the monkey off his back, so to speak. What I thought, what I noticed from him is that they're like, he looks like a smart player, 
But personally, I didn't love his decision making. Now, one of our good friends of the show, Sebastian High, was talking a little bit about this in his long Kirby Doc thread uh, thread um, on Twitter. And he was talking about this like I didn't see it very much. What it looked like to me was that there are a lot of elements to his game. There's just no they're not connecting with each other at the moment. And I don't know if that's something where it's like the skills coaching that's going to bring it, if it's just going to be more play and sort of shaking off the rust that's going to bring it, uh, having a more defined role might help. I think right now that also kind of, uh, you know, complicates things a little bit. I didn't hate what I saw from him. I just think that, you know, there's more to come. There's potential there. Like I saw potential. I didn't see attaining that potential, if that makes sense. That's how I felt about Kirby Doc. That's also kind of how I felt about Yuri Slavkovsky. I thought Slavkovsky, yes. Uh, I thought I thought, you know, like so far we've watched him in two rookie showcases, one preseason game, the scrimmage. Um I there's something about it that makes me so excited to to see this fully formed player, but there's some clunkiness to his game that I was seeing. I, I I think the biggest thing with Slavkovsky is he's trying, but he's also trying to stay within like his bounds. Cause he learned from the first rookie showcase game that he can't go one on five against players. That's just not a thing that's going to work regularly. So he's trying to be more patient and he needs to find that happy medium a little bit between using his size to be aggressive and bully his opponents and also making sure he's not, doing so much that he's putting himself at a disadvantage and he's going to figure that out and they're going to show him tape be like hey you had this option here i saw him make a lot of smart plays there and the biggest thing with uri slavkovsky that i noticed is that i feel like he is wasted directly in front of the net on the power play along the goal line where he can use his big frame to i almost knocked over my microphone so to knock over or to knock around the goalies there and use his frame to box people out and work along the goal line there, I think will serve him very well because he's got the body duty strong enough to do that. Just parking him in front takes away his asset, which is using his size. Yeah, he screens the goalie, but that doesn't mean he's be able to use everything else. He might get some deflection goals or everything, but if he's working along the goal line, he becomes a receiving option and then can pivot to create opportunities for other teammates and I think that's where his strength is going to be. And they, and he's new. He's raw. We knew he was going to be raw coming into this season. That was always going to be part of the deal with Uri Slavkovsky is immensely physically gifted. But you got to polish that until you get the diamond out of there. I think they will. He's made a lot of strides from where he was at before he was drafted. And looking at what he can do now, he skates so well. And I think they're going to look at the tape on this and realize – Maybe just a little adjustment here. Maybe be a little bit more selfish here. And it the bell center comes alive when he has the puck with space, whether he's passing it or doing whatever. You can tell that the goals and the assists are going to come because he makes smart reads. Sometimes it's he's just got to be a little bit more selfish, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Cole Caulfield had to learn to do that a little bit. He had to learn, to, you know, sometimes I got to shoot, sometimes I got to pass. Every young player goes through this. And I think Slavkovsky will figure that out in time because right now he doesn't look out of place in an NHL lineup, but, but I do think he has the, the potential right now. He may start in the AHL just to get, you know, 
some more game time under that they might not get at the NHL level. They might say, we don't have a spot in the top six that you fit in right now because other guys have done this or that. We're going to put you on the top line with a rocket, go out there and dominate and, you know, force your hand, force our hand here. He's like, I assume he'll probably start with the NHL team, but I would not be shocked if he's in the AHL before too long, just to polish a little bit more. And that's not, that is not a bad thing. I think he's already showing great signs of why he went first overall. It's just putting them all together and he's still young. So there's still time on that. And that's the thing is that, you know, you, you, you mentioned the bell center sort of goes quiet when he's got some time and space. He's very exciting to watch and you can tell it's going to be fun. Uh, one person that I wanted to mention before we turn it over to our next segment was Caden Gooley. I didn't see a whole lot from Caden Gooley this game, but maybe that's a good thing. Caden Gooley had some, some bigger moments uh, offensively, honestly, like, I, I really do think that's the biggest piece is that it looked he jumped in the play and he skates so well, so, so well. Uh, the numbers, like the analytics and everything, don't look great, but I'm not taking much away from this game besides that. I think Caden Gould is going to come out fine. He's going to have some learning bumps. Every young defenseman does. Not noticing defensemen is not a bad thing in the NHL. It means they're likely going about their job efficiently. And if that's what Caden Gooley can do every single night, the Canadians are absolutely doing, you know, the right thing with him. With his skating ability, though, I think there's a very high ceiling for him right now. Yeah, and that was a thing. Like, it wasn't a negative thing that I was saying. It was a positive thing. Like, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the story in a bad way. And too often defensemen can be that, especially if they're trying too hard. Um, and we've got some good stuff to say about a few more players, and that's all coming up in just one moment. All right, here we go. Um there, I saved some of the ones that you would have wanted to talk about for last, <laughs> Scott. Um, I'm going to go in order. Uh, let's do Philip Mayshar first. I have now never been less sure that he's going to the OHL, even though there was the report in The Athletic that he wants to either play in Sweden or in, yeah, yeah, professionally and not the OHL. I looked at him play tonight and I go, this is a guy who could very well crack into the rocket roster very easily. He makes a lot of very smart plays. He gets himself into uh, shooting positions to make himself dangerous. There was a chance on one of the power plays that he pivoted away from the net, turned and set himself up as a slot shooter and got a chance off there. That's something that we haven't seen the Canadians do a lot. They haven't set up a guy as like a, an actual slot bumper shooter, just a guy there to kind of dish the puck back. And, you know, the umbrella uh, to whoever's playing the point there. And he turned and shot that. And at the end of the game, there was a thing that I noticed that I think was uh, very crucial because he's not forcing plays. Uh, Mayshar got a pass in that uh, six on four, six on five situation. He fit, he had a lane to shoot and there was a guy in front of him. He would have gotten a shot, potentially would have hit the net. He stops and reloads and cuts to the middle to then put another shot on net. And that shows me that he's, reading the defenses and he's not just panic throwing pucks at the net there we already knew he can skate and we know he can shoot using his abilities in tight like that to open up better shooting lanes is the mark of someone who reads the game very well and i think that'll serve him very well 
And I look at what he did in the prospect tournament. I look at what he's done so far in this game and what he did in um, the red and white game and everything. And I look at that and I go, this is someone I think might surprise us. And he's got his entry-level contract. I think they're going to give him a look. It might be with the Rocket. It might be with the Habs. They might just say, here's nine games, and then let's figure it out. Do you want to go to the OHL and prove yourself against you know your age competition, or do you want to go to the AHL and earn your spot that way? It'll be a little bit tougher, but I really, really liked what I thought saw from Philip Mayshar tonight. What a nice surprise he's been, to be honest. I didn't think that we would notice these many, this many good things about him so quickly. Uh, and that's been really, really interesting. Something that's not too much of a surprise, but we still want to touch on is Mike Matheson. In one game, I saw like 15 different things that I loved that he did. Mike Matheson was the Canadian's best player tonight. I do not think it is close. Uh, he skates so well. He creates well. Even when he makes mistakes, he's able to cover for them. I really liked what I saw from Mike Matheson tonight. And I kind of jokingly tweeted that it doesn't matter. The Canadians won this trade already. It is a joke. I promise you it's a joke, people. I really liked what I saw from him tonight. And I'm hoping they can get him some support because the last thing I want from Mike Matheson is kind of what happened to Jeff Petrie last year where it's like you're going to play 26, 27, 28 minutes a night and you're going to just be burnt toast by game 35 and your game suffers for it. I think he's going to be a very good all-purpose defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't know if he's going to provide the offense that Weber did or the Petrie did, but I do think he's going to provide some stability in a group that is very young and learning a lot uh, tonight. And that includes someone like Matthias Norlinder, who still hasn't quite unlocked it. And um, David St. Louis and Mitch Brown are talking about it on Twitter as we go right now. Highly recommend checking out their thoughts because I agree. He's just got to kind of get his game back. And I think Mike Matheson, though, overall, arguably the best have on the ice tonight and very excited to see where they go from here with him in the lineup. And finally, Scott, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your boy, Owen Beck. Um... (laughs) (laughs) Take it away. The man wins face-offs like he he's so smart. And yeah, the numbers don't look good tonight because um, I'm looking at hockey stack cards. He doesn't create as much offensively as Hoffman and Caulfield do because they are shooters. And uh, Beck was mainly a facilitator tonight. I liked a lot of what I saw. There are good reads. There are smart reads. There's good face-offs. He's knowing where to be with everything. And Arpen Basu pointed it out that uh, the chance that he rang off the post Caulfield sends a diagonal cross ice feed that Beck cradles to catch in strike. He does not break stride with this. That's a high end pass that he's getting at NHL speed, not OHL speed breaks in, in stride. David St. Louis then points out that he changes his shooting angle to fool the goalie, which he does. And then he just rings it off the inside of the post and out Across the board, it's the mark of a high IQ hockey play and something that you can't teach hockey IQ. You can teach positioning. You can teach them how to skate better. You might be able to teach them how to shoot. The little things Owen Beck does cannot be taught, at least not easily by anybody. And he continues to arguably be the most, not no, not arguably. He has been the most impressive Canadians prospect through uh, the preseason tournament in Buffalo, through training camp, and now in the first game here. I I have no doubt the Canadians are going to keep him for as long as they can. They're going to 
Nick Suzuki's injury was a huge open door for Owen Beck. He centered the Canadians' top line tonight. He is, you know, he's a rookie, and I he's the second most used forward. He was two seconds behind Rem Pitlick tonight. Like, I, I can't help but fawn over the stuff that he does and think he's only going to continue growing and developing. Even if he's back in the OHL in, before the preseason's over, this is a kid who's going to turn into just an absolute monster at both ends of the ice if everything continues the way that it has. I, I try not to be hyperbolic with things because we've fallen victim to that before, but Owen Beck might be one of the smartest hockey players I've watched as a prospect, and I've covered the Habs for nine years now, and I don't think I've seen someone quite as smart as this uh, at either end of the ice so far. So then the debate becomes, who do we call the cerebral player, him or Nick Suzuki? And I have to be careful, though, because I keep seeing comparisons with them. And I was like, no, there are two different players. Uh, you want cerebral players on the ice. You want that kind of intelligence in your center core, like in your center group, 100%. But let's not. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's the thing is, Beck is, he can score. But Suzuki's got the higher offensive upside, but I think Beck may become the better defensive center before too long, which is not a slight to either guy. Like, you need balance in your lineup there. It would not surprise me if Beck goes back to the OHL this year and dominates that the Habs are going, okay, maybe he's in our lineup next year then. And I wouldn't be shocked if that's the case, just based on how well he reads the game at the NHL level. Physically, he needs a little bit of growing still. He did kind of get muscled out there a little bit, but he's a teenager playing against adults. That's going to come with time. And he you can, you know, put on muscle and teach positioning. You can't teach the things that Beck does already. So, I I have nothing but praise for him tonight. Win or lose, I Owen Beck was always one of the people that I came away impressed watching tonight. And this has been an interview of Scott Matla by Laura Saba. Uh, we're both really tired. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of tell. So it'll be a shorter episode than usual today. Tomorrow, as we said, it'll be a betting guide for the Canadian season. Uh, and then on Thursday, we will have the next preseason game, which I believe, is it against Winnipeg, Scott? I believe so. Let me just check the Habs. The Wednesday. Wednesday they play the Leafs and they play the Jets on Thursday. So they play annoying people and then they play cowards. So right. <laughs> so we will obviously have all of that and we'll have our mailbag. But uh, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube in order to get our next episodes in which we're not so tired. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, and in the meantime, once you're done checking us out, check out locked on nhl where they cover all of the preseason stories and the season that's coming up